Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. And we're continuing in our series called The Perfect Ten. The Perfect Ten. God's Ten Commandments that seem to be outdated. And uh, as we begin today, I was reading that in the States, uh, a group called the Kelton Research Group, they did a survey with people, and they said that most Americans knew the seven ingredients of a Big Mac burger and of the Brady Bunch. They knew the people in the Brady Bunch more than they knew the Ten Commandments. Very few people could bring up or, or recite the Ten Commandments, but they knew all seven ingredients of the Big Mac. 80% of the 1,000 people surveyed could name the burger's primary ingredient, two all-beef patties, but less than 6 in 10 knew the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Less than 45% could recall the commandment, honor thy father and mother, but 62% knew that the Big Mac had a pickle on it. Isn't that amazing how culture has replaced God's commands with knowledge of popular things, of food, of politics, of celebrities, instead of the will of God. And my goal in doing the Ten Commandments again, the last time I did them was in 2004, my goal in doing them again is to remind us that not only are we saved, but we're saved to live right. We're not saved by grace to do what we like. God loves us. He has forgiven us, but we're meant to live right. And the perfect wisdom of God is manifest in these 10 commandments. We're saved, but we're also meant to be changed. Isn't that true? And we're meant to show God's light through our lives. And they're simple truths, just 10 simple truths for successful living. How many of you know if we ever needed to revive them, it is today? Because we're living in a lawless society And sadly, not only lawless outside the church, but inside the church as well. Now, how many of you realize today that in order to live right, you need to believe right? Let me show you on the screen the pattern, uh, the ideal pattern for Christian growth. You first believe, then you belong to the church, and then you become what God wants you to be. Can you see that? You first believe in Jesus. Then you become a member of the church, you belong to the church, and then you become what God wants you to become by being a member of the church. That's why it's important to come to church, because you believe in Jesus, now you belong to the household of God, you get equipped, you become, that's called transformation. But what's happening in the world today with churches is we've lost that, and we've changed the order. And today, people just want to belong. As long as you say, I belong there, do you believe? Well, I don't believe everything he says, but I belong. We've turned it on its head. We, we then teach behavior, because you must behave yourself in church, and then we, we learn how to believe. We've got the thing the wrong way around, and that is to be conformed rather than transformed. And you, that's why people fall away from the faith, because they haven't started with belief. They started with coming to church, especially in, in the young contemporary churches. It's the vibe, it's the ripped jeans, it's the, it's the vibe of the music, it's the jumping up and down, banging against each other. That's actually great, And we thank God for great youth services and great Sunday night services. But your first thing is believing, then belonging, then becoming. Does that make sense? 
And we learn that from the Ten Commandments, and we learn from all Paul's letters. People say to me, the Ten Commandments are outdated. No, the Gospels are all about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, and then the letters and the writings of Paul are all about behavior and how to grow in the Christian life. The whole Bible is valuable, and I've heard people say, the letters of Paul are, are irrelevant. No, they're not. The whole Bible has a place, and the Ten Commandments are at the root of it. You remember when Israel was given the Ten Commandments, it was after the blood was put on the doorpost. God saved them, brought them out of Egypt, then gave them His law so that they could be the people He wanted them to be. And the only words of God that are in the Ark of the Covenant are the Ten Commandments. Why? Because the holy protects the ethical. And you'll notice the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. If, if, if in today's world we could put just some limits on our behavior, guess what? Our world would be wonderful. Because life in a good society is about not doing certain things. And it's not legalism, it's just good, wise, cultural, social living. And so, let's read the Ten Commandments. They meant, uh, they mentioned twice in the Bible, that shows the significance of it, and I'll talk about that just in a moment as we go through. What I want to do today is, I want to look at one commandment, give you seven reasons why we don't keep it, and then give you some ways that we can observe it. And it's the unusual commandment because it's the fourth commandment, and it's one that's not mentioned in the New Testament. So Deuteronomy chapter 5 talks about the commandments, but we'll read from Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to read all of them just as a good reminder, and we'll home in on the fourth one. It says, and God spoke all these words, not Moses, God spoke. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now we come to the fourth commandment today, and uh, it starts with remember, because we tend to forget. Isn't that true? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And we'll discuss it in a moment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. See, it's not about you primarily, although it is about you, it's first about God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Just by the way, do you think God got tired? I don't think so. So why did he rest? Very important point. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, especially if you live in South Africa. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, his BMW, Mercedes, or his Audi, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The fourth commandment here is really about our relationship with God.
because the Sabbath is about God, then it is practically given for man to have a rest. Did you know that the, 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 the command to keep the Sabbath is the only one that says, sorry, the one of two that says, thou shalt not. All the others say, thou shalt not. This one says, you shall. And so it's a positive command, and uh, it's almost like the label in a, in, 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 inside your shirt or your blouse when you wash it. Manufacturer's recommendation. What's best for this product? And uh, God is reminding us that this is best for us, and uh, it is something good, and it uh, really deals with the workaholics in our society. I was reading that the Japanese uh, term is called karoshi. Uh, it, it means death by overwork. And it's become a term in the Japanese language. 10% of the Japanese population die from overwork. And this commandment is addressed to us because we tend to work incessantly without pausing to reflect on God and to rest our bodies. So I'll come in a moment to why it's not mentioned in the New Testament. But let me give you seven reasons today as to why there's no Sabbath observance anymore. Are you ready? Number one, time is money. Like never before, we realize that if we use time, we can convert it into money. Every hour that you work can produce billable hours, if you like, especially if you're a consultant. When we were in manufacturing, we used to work late into the nights because we could produce goods with those hours and convert them into money. And so we cram more work in because time is money. And uh, listen, work is valuable and necessary. That's why we mustn't be lazy. But rest is also valuable and necessary. And we mustn't just see work as valuable. We need to see rest as valuable. Number two, work is no longer defined by the workplace. Before you went to a workplace, you clocked in and clocked out. Today, work is fluid. You can work at home. You can work in the car. Lockdown has shown us that there's no office hours. And you can work anywhere at any time. And so there are no boundaries. Number three, the pursuit of material gain to the exclusion of spiritual gain. People no longer think about God and put Him at the center of their lives and take time to pause and to worship Him. Churches become an optional extra. I work, then I have pleasure, I spend time with my family, and then if I can fit it in, I put God somewhere in it. Uh, and, I, and most people only put God in when they're feeling bad or they're having challenges. The Lord says, no, you need to remember the Sabbath day. There needs to be an appointed time where you remember me and reflect on me and rest your body. And, uh, you know, 40 years ago, on a Sunday, the streets were silent. Now, those of you that are old enough will remember. Everything was closed. Everything was dead quiet. It's very convenient to be able to pop into Woolies on a Sunday and buy a few ready meals and the things that you've forgotten that you've run out of. But it, actually, it would be better if we could all just pause and give people a rest. Number four, people live fuller lives today. We cram so much in, we've got hobbies and travel, boats and bikes and all sorts of things that we legitimately enjoy, but we squeeze more in than we've ever squeezed in before, and we've lost sight of the fact that also we do need to have a rest. Someone said this, I can't remember who it was, but they said our great-grandfathers called it the Holy Sabbath, our grandfathers the Sabbath, our fathers Sunday, but today we call it the weekend. Isn't that true? We've lost sight of why it's important to rest because we're living such full lives. Number five, we feel guilty about rest. 
Don't put your hand up in the room or at home. But how many know that you can feel guilty about resting? It's almost like I should be working. I should be doing more. But here's the thing I've discovered. We feel more guilty about rest than we do about adultery. We've turned everything on its head. What's happened to our hearts? Maybe it's the teaching that's purely focused on grace only. Maybe it's just the lawlessness of the world. I don't know what it is. But certainly we need to come back to get our bearings again. And this is God's perfect tent to focus us. Thank God we're saved by grace and we live under the new covenant. But these are the principles of God that help us to live right. But number six is probably the big one. We are no longer governed by the Bible anymore. We're not governed by the Bible anymore. Our society is completely secular, and they don't know the Ten Commandments. They know what's on the Big Mac burger. And we live a secular life without a reference to the Ten Commandments. You know, I was reading that during the French Revolution, they decided to do away with Christianity and every reference to Christianity, including Sunday. So they, they determined that one day in ten would be a day of rest, not one day in seven. Just buck the system. And Voltaire said, we cannot destroy Christianity until we first destroy the Christian Sabbath. And historians record that this experiment failed dismally because men were tired and worn out from overwork. Even the horses and the animals broke down because one day in ten is not what God decreed, but one day in seven. You can do it yourself. You can change it. You can think the Bible is irrelevant, and we're not governed by that stuff anymore but it can lead to trouble and disaster. Number seven, the last reason why we don't keep the Sabbath is we don't understand its value. We don't understand its value. The Sabbath day has got tremendous value, and we misunderstand Scripture. And uh, people say, well, it's not mentioned in the New Testament, and I'll explain why it's not mentioned. The early church, by way of routine, because they were mostly Jewish, celebrated the Sabbath. You read the New Testament, you'll see. And on the Sabbath, they gathered in the synagogues. But they celebrated the first day of the week because Gentiles were brought in. And so the resurrection of Jesus, the, the sorry, the Sunday was made the day of worship under Constantine. And so they celebrated that day because it represented the resurrection of Jesus and it united Jews and Gentiles. But the principle of the Sabbath is still valuable. And we mustn't overlook it saying we don't you know, need to be bound by law. In fact, in the Old Testament, there are only two days where it says you must rest. Only two occasions. One is the Day of Atonement, where the blood was shed for sins. It says that you shall do no work on the Day of Atonement. That represents our salvation. You can't work for your salvation. You need to rest from your work. So are you with me? And as Christians, we still follow that principle. We, on, a, on Communion Sunday, we rest in the finished work of Jesus. And the second time they were told not to work was every Sabbath and then every 50 years where the land would rest. Uh, the land would rest every seven years, but on the Sabbath they would be freed from debt. And so there were only these two things, the Day of Atonement and the weekly Sabbath. And when you come to the New Testament, we see this verse in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Bear in mind, Gentiles came into the church. They didn't have any Jewish tradition. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, 
is found in Christ. In other words, if you're trying to work to be saved, you're trying to work and observe a day so you can be right with God, no, they're only a shadow. The picture of that, that right with God, is Jesus Christ. Are you with me? But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't rest every seven days. I hope I'm making sense today. Because most Christians say, oh, I see. Okay, so why are you preaching on this? Because, no, the principle of the Sabbath is still good. And we need to rest. And while the early church met, you can get confused because there are groups of people who today are what's known as Sabbatarians. They make it an issue. You have to rest on Saturday because that's the day. Now, one of the great authors of a series of commentaries I was growing up with, these people, and uh, J. Vernon McGee, he wrote a whole series of commentaries called Through the Bible. And uh, he tells of a man who came to him one day, and he said to him, I'll give you $100. He was an American author. I'll give you $100 if you will show me where the Sabbath day has changed. In other words, Christians rest on a Sunday, but actually it's Saturday. And McGee answered, I don't think it has changed. Saturday is Saturday. It's the seventh day of the week, and it is the Sabbath day. The seventh day is still Saturday, and it is still the Sabbath day. He got a gleam in his eye, McGee says. Then why don't you keep the Sabbath day if it hasn't changed? McGee answered, the day hasn't changed, but I have changed. I have been given a new nature now. I am joined to Christ. I am part of the new creation. We celebrate the first day because that is the day he rose from the grave. So Sunday, he says, that is what it means that the ordinances have been nailed to the cross. So we can't make it an issue of which day because actually, church, we rest on a Monday. And by the way, if you see us out shopping at Willie's or sitting in a restaurant and uh, enjoying something to eat and drink, don't walk past and say, yeah, typical, they don't work. Our Sabbath is on a Monday because we are working today. I know this doesn't look like work. I'm just chatting to you. This is work. But we rest. So it's not the day. It's the principle. So let me put it to you like this. And if you're making notes, this is very important. In Kailami and online, this is extremely important. This is the Christian view. The Sabbath rules are dead, but the Sabbath principle remains. Are you with me? The rule of which day and whether you're condemned or you're not saved, that's gone, but the principle still remains because if God rested, how many of you know he doesn't get tired and it's a very good reason for us to observe it? So let's give you the reason and the value of the Sabbath today. This is the wisdom of God that comes out in the Bible. And I've got seven things here today that I hope I've got time to do. We, we, we are given the Sabbath, and I've, and I've entitled each point for the sake of. Number one, we're given the Sabbath for the sake of putting God first. The Sabbath day is a brilliant day uh, to put God first. It's to remember God and to put Him first. You know, the Sabbath day was the only ritual observance that was given in the Ten Commandments. There's no other ritual observance. And it's a good ritual observance because it focuses you, and it's a good weekly ritual. And the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day because it's easy to forget it. By the way, this commandment is the longest of all the commandments in the Ten Commandments. So it has got weight and it's got value. And it's because we can put God first. And when Israel never put God first by resting on the Sabbath, they had problems. Leviticus 26, the Lord speaking here about how they didn't let the land rest every seven years, and, and how they didn't observe the Lord's Sabbaths. 
He says in Leviticus 7, uh, 26, then the, Lord, then the land will enjoy its Sabbath days all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies in captivity. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in. In other words, you didn't let the land lie. You thought you knew better. You didn't put me first. Now I'm going to send you in captivity so that the land can get the rest that it was supposed to get. God is serious about this. He's serious about it in your body. He's serious about it in the land. Farmers don't let the land lie every seven years. No, we're too clever for that. We inject it with chemicals. That's why we've got health problems. But God intended us to rest every seven days and every seven years for the land to rest. And uh, it, if you go right back to the journey of the Israelites through the wilderness, you'll see that even when the manna fell, the Lord said to them, collect the manna every day. On the sixth day, you're supposed to collect twice as much, and you're supposed to keep it. It won't go off on the Sabbath, but I don't want you even collecting it on the Sabbath. But Israel didn't listen. The Bible says they collected it, and it got worms in it. God judged it, in a sense, for the people that collected the double portion, he kept it for the Sabbath. For those who collected it on the Sunday, it went bad. So you've got to observe the Sabbath and put God first. And uh, it's a good thing to have that day where you put God first. It, it, it kind of leaves everyone free to come and worship. And it uh, puts a spiritual emphasis on our lives. There's a famous rabbi, Asher Viji Hirsch Ginsburg, who was known as Ahad Haham. <laughs> After a long name like that, you're still known as Abadaham. Anyway, he said this. He said, more than the Jews have kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat has kept the Jews. They don't just keep it, it has kept them and has kept the nation. And as, you know, even during the time of the Holocaust, they observed Shabbat, the, the, the Sabbath celebration, the meal, and it has kept them as a nation. And I believe it's because they put God first and uh, we need to be the same we need to do that. And I don't have time today. You can study the book of Nehemiah when you have time. Nehemiah made it a serious thing to restore the Sabbath. He didn't just put the walls of Jerusalem back in place, but he restored the Sabbath and he warned and, and challenged the people to keep the Sabbath because for the sake of putting God first, if you keep the day, it's like a focal point. Number two, for the sake of our relationships, we ought to keep the Sabbath. Not just with people, but with God. Your relationship with God, obviously, on the Sabbath, but with people. You know, people need time. And when you take a day off from work, guess what? You usually spend it with people. Isn't that true? You take a day off, you have a meal, you gather your family. And a lot of people, let me challenge you on this, a lot of people stay at work or work to escape the challenges at home. Difficult spouses and difficult children and things that need fixing on the house it's better to stay at work because I can make money. People at work respect me. People at work cooperate with me, but at home it's not. Your relationships will suffer. You need a day where you take time to stop and focus on God and on your relationships with others. And it's a good thing to set a day aside to do it. There are a lot of families, a lot of cultures who do it. You can think of the Italians especially, the Greeks. It's a special day where you make time to have a meal and you make time to go to church, it's a good thing for our relationships. Number three, for the sake of our spirituality. For the sake of our spirituality. Now, the interesting thing with the Ten Commandments is the Lord said that it would be a sign between Him and Israel. Exodus chapter 31, 
Moses speaking, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Holy, the word holy there, that says keep the Sabbath day holy, is the word kadosh in the Hebrew, and it means separate, distinct, different, special. So this day, for the sake of, for the sake of your, your, your walk with God, for the sake of your relationships, but also for the sake of your spirituality, it helps you to realize that this is a different day from all your other days. It's a special day, a separate day, a day where we should honor God, focus on God, worship God, serve God in the house of God. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful day where you're freed from that tyranny of work. Interesting thing that the Ten Commandments, listen to this, because Christianity has been accused of so many terrible things. I hear people saying this all the time. Religion is the cause of all the problems in the world. And the Ten Commandments are the first legal code to give slaves a day of rest. There is no other legal code that I know of in the world that gives slaves a day of rest. The Ten Commandments commands you, your children, and your slaves, and the foreigners amongst you should have a rest. This is a sign of our spirituality. And you know, when we keep this commandment, people know where we stand with God. Oh, you don't work. Why is that? Either you're Jewish or you're a committed Christian. And it's a good thing for your spiritual life. It will keep you growing. And uh, we don't just keep working all the time. The day belongs to Him and we don't do any work. Now, Many people have misunderstood this. They say, oh, you shouldn't worry about it. Your spiritual life doesn't need a day of rest. You're not under the law. You're under grace. I want to read to you here in Hebrews what it says, just to bring context. Hebrews 4 and verse 9. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works as God did from his See, this is not saying you shouldn't keep the Sabbath day. It's saying that you need to rest from trying to work to earn salvation. But it doesn't say you shouldn't have a rest day. The Sabbath principle still remains. And it's a spiritual thing to do, even though you say, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't rest. Uh, you know, is God going to judge me? No, he won't. Your body will end up being judged. It'll be your judge. The Sabbath day is a practical thing, and it keeps you spiritually focused on God. I've got to keep this short because of the time. Number four, for the sake of our health, sanity, and safety. You need one day in seven of rest for your health, sanity, and safety. And the Lord here gave it to them so that they could also rest and recover and replenish themselves. A doctor once said this, the periods of rest I prescribe are often Sabbaths in arrears. I tell you to rest now, why? Because you didn't rest before. And the Sabbath was given for our health, our sanity, and our safety. And it breaks a, you know, vicious cycle of work. And it can wear us out. And we're under tremendous stress. We are human beings, not human doings. And sometimes we need to rest. We need margins. I spoke on this uh, just a little while ago. The fact that we need to leave margin in our lives. And God has designed us for work and then for rest to recover. Talk to any athlete, and they'll tell you if you run marathons, for every, I think it's every two kilometers you run, you need a day of rest. 
because your body needs to recover. You can't just keep running and running and running. You can't think the more you run, the greater you're going to be as an athlete. You have to have it punctuated by rest in order for it to recover. Remember Psalm 1, uh, sorry, Psalm 23 and verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Watch, he restores my soul. How many of you know that psalm? He makes me lie down. Why? Because later he can restore my soul. And God makes us lie down and rest every seven days so that he can restore our bodies and restore our soul. You will go insane if you don't get enough rest. And people are burnt out and stressed out, and uh, we just don't know how to take rest. In fact, think about this. In our world today, every one of us has a cell phone. Isn't that the truth? And what happens when you just keep using your cell phone all the time, all the time, all the time? It goes flat. So what do you do with your cell phone in order to recharge it? You make it lie down. And you plug it in. You put it in the right place, connected to the right source for the right length of time, and it restores the battery. Now, how different are you to the cell phone? It's much the same. You can't just keep going. You get flat, and you've got no signal. People talk to you, and you... It's like Pastor Vilma says to me, you don't... Are you listening? And occasionally when she's on her phone, I say, you didn't hear me, did you? She said, no, I didn't. We go flat. And we need to be recharged. And so it's not legalistic. It's for the sake of sanity. And here's the thing. The Pharisees forbade work, on any, uh, work of any kind on any day. That's not what Jesus is saying. Today you'll find there's certain Jewish groups that they would rather walk to the synagogue than drive. What's more stressful? Maybe driving is more stressful, but driving's not work. You've got an automatic car, you just start it and you put it in drive and walking is like up the hill, down the hill, over the pebbles, over the dirt, over the packets. I think that's more work. You see, legalism starts to try and get right with God through the Sabbath. Now, the day was given to be special, and sometimes you have to work on certain days. The Pharisees forbid work, and they had over a thousand uh, laws of what work meant. In fact, if you drive around Santon, you'll see the cables that, that signify and demarcate that a Jewish man can walk up to that point, but he can't walk further, because if you go beyond that, you're not right with God. We don't, we don't subscribe to that, but we understand we need to health and sanity and stress. And that's why Jesus said this. Let me read this in case you get confused here, and the time is ticking fast. Luke chapter 14. Is this helping anybody today? Hopefully in Santon and Kailami, uh, both campuses and online. You're being helped. Luke 14 and verse 5, it says, Then he asked them, If any one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? See, Jesus' disciples were walking through the field, and they were pulling off the heads of grain and eating them. And they, that's work, that's work. That's just practically eating. And some people say, on the Sabbath day, you can't put on the gas and cook, but you can put something in the microwave. Well, show me that in the Bible. It's ridiculous. You don't get into that. It's for your sanity. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Jesus, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what the law is saying here is not prohibiting any kind of sport, uh, you know, or swimming. I, I had a neighbor who used to look over the fence when I was pastoring in Somerset West. He was a Dutch Reformed Christian. Good man, nice family, very godly. But he would scowl at me over the fence. We had like a wire fence. 
when I was swimming on a Sunday because we'd come up from services and it'd be like 40 degrees and I'd dive in the pool and he'd be like, scowl at me like you're not a Christian, you're not a man of God, you swam on the Sabbath. Maybe if I just floated, it would have been okay, I don't know. But that's the legalism. The Sabbath is meant for rest and you have to prepare food and your animal, your dog needs feeding. You know, you, you, you're going to put out double portion on, 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 on Saturday. Your dog will eat it up. It's, it's not going to work. You've got to feed your dog. So it's not the, not the doing of work. Doctors have to work on the Sabbath. Isn't that true? There's certain profession. It's taking one day in seven and not being legalistic about it because it is our health and sanity. It's dangerous not to rest. In fact, in a book by Martin Moore-Ede called The 24-Hour Society, he says a lot of the famous industrial accidents that occurred in the world happened because people didn't rest. And you'll, you'll remember them, the Exxon Valdez. Remember that big oil tanker? It's because the captain didn't rest. The Three Mile Island uh, uh, fallout, Chernobyl, the Korean Airlines Flight 007, the USS Vincenzo who shot down an airliner that killed 290 people, and the Challenger space shuttle disaster in 1986 was also because they worked 20 hours straight with only three hours sleep, and they made bad decisions. You've got to rest every sixth day. Number five, are you still good? We're nearly there. For the sake of our perspective, you need to have a one day in seven for the sake of our perspective. You need to stop and step back from your work and have a look at it, uh, a bit like a painter does, because that's what God did. God didn't actually rest. God wasn't tired and exhausted. This has exhausted me creating the universe. It wasn't that. He stepped back and said it was good. And he expects us like that to create, 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 and then to step back and to get some perspective. On that day where we honor him, where we spend time with family and friends, we rest and we reflect and in fact, talking about like a painter stepping back from a painting and looking at it, Leonardo da Vinci once said this. He said, every now and then, go away, even briefly, for when you come back to your work, your judgment will be surer, since to remain constantly at work will cause you to lose power. If God stepped back and reflected, surely we need to do it too. And... Uh, you know, it's so important for us to understand that God didn't wear himself out, but this day is about his nature and character and who he is that he's built into the Sabbath day. Dennis Prager is a Jewish uh, a TV talk show and radio host, and he has written a number of books uh, about Jewish life, and I've read some of them. They're very interesting. And he said this. He said the day corresponds to one complete rotation of the earth on its axis. And the month corresponds to one cycle of the moon's phases, but the week is completely disassociated from the movement of the celestial bodies. It's connected to God resting on the seventh day. Therefore, by observing the Shabbat every seven days, one is worshiping the creator of nature, not nature, affirming the existence of a God who is above nature and who created it. So important to recognize that. Number six, for the sake of our freedom. For the sake of our freedom. You need to take a Sabbath, not just to put God first, not just because it's good for your sanity, not just for your spirituality, but it's for the sake of your freedom. It says I'm not a slave to my job, to my boss, and to my work. 
I'm not owned by money. I'm not a slave to debt. I was freed from slavery by Jesus, and I will not be a slave to anything. Listen to me today. Don't run up so much debt that you have to work seven days to pay it. That is not the life. That is slavery. And so for the sake of your freedom, you need to be free enough to be able to take the dove and not have to worry. I can sit back. I can have perspective. I can serve God. I can come to church. I can focus on my family. My body can recover. I'm not a slave to debt. And number seven, for the sake of our faith. The sake of our faith. What do I mean by this? We've got to do what the Jews were told to do by collecting manna. We should work for six and then trust God to supply on the seventh day. It is faith not to work every single day. It is faith that says, I will do what God says, and thereby I will rest, trusting Him to supply my needs. We have to do that if we're going to stay balanced and not stressed out and damage all our relationships and our relationship with God. God will make up what we lose on that day, and we need to believe it. And for the sake of faith, I rest trusting Him. For the sake of spirituality, because people will know I'm a Christian, but also for the sake of faith, trusting Him. So just quickly scribble this down. Three ways to prioritize the Sabbath. Number one, sorry, tips to making the Sabbath day holy. Number one, prioritize it. Plan it, diarize it. You know, don't do other things on that day. Make it a day where you make it a priority. If it's not Saturday or Sunday, make it a Monday, but make it one, choose a day and prioritize it in your diary, on your phone. Number two, protect it. Keep it holy. Don't allow the cell phone to attack it. Don't jump up the minute you sense you might be needed. Let someone else do it. And don't break it with exceptions all the time. Isn't that true? We have exceptions, eh? Yes, I know, but I, but I had to. Remember, Jesus only had three years in which to do his ministry and to change the world. And guess what? He kept the Sabbaths. If the Son of God who created the heavens and the earth rested every seven days while he was on the earth, surely you can prioritize it and protect it. Billy Graham said this, and I'm nearly done. He says, Jesus spoke about the ox in the ditch on the Sabbath. But if your ox gets in the ditch every Sabbath, you should either get rid of the ox or fill up the ditch. And number three, as I close, principle it. Prioritize it, protect it, and principle it. What do I mean by that? It's a day on which you don't produce, and you let everyone else know that you don't. And guess what? It will be a sign that you're a Christian and that you're honoring God. And it will be good for our society to recognize that Christians are different and uh, we come to the house of God, we make it a principle in our lives. It's not a legalistic thing, but we honor God by doing that. How many of you have been helped today? You know, these messages, you try and pack as much content in so that you cover everything, but I think it's helpful for us as we follow these uh, Ten Commandments that we study them properly and that we don't fall into the trap of, you know, we can do whatever we like as Christians or we become legalistic, but somewhere in the middle is the balance of honoring God. Well, bow your head with me across the room and in Kailami and online. I want to take a moment to pray with you before I hand over to Kogi and Kailami. I want to pray with us all in the room and especially online and uh, again, as I said, in Kailami. 
Today, you might be a person who is in the meeting. You're a Christian. You say, you know what? I need to put this back. I need to put my life back in order. And I don't have to because I won't lose my salvation, but I can see it's a principle of God, and I just want to get my life right with God. And maybe right now in the meeting, you can say, Lord, help me. Help me to prioritize this and help me to, to practice this and to, to principle it, to protect it, to, to make sure I don't just live my life all over the place. These things are given for my good. And you just make a recommitment in your heart to the Lord. And if you're here in, in, in this, on this campus or Kailami or at home and you don't know Jesus, you say, you know, today I can see God's commandments are, are, are wisdom. They, they're for my good. They, they're not there to squeeze me and hinder me, but they, they're there for my benefit. And I, I want to embrace God in my life. I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray with you today and just commit you to God in a very short prayer. So with our time ticking, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, before the stream runs out this morning, quickly, if you're in the room here or in Kalami, you say, I want to commit my life to Jesus once again. I want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Just, just raise your hand up. Lift it up and say, that's me today. Would you pray for me? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Numbers of people all over the building. Yes. And Kalami, you raise your hand there. Just lift it up. And Yes, awesome. And, and, and we're going to pray to him. Yes, thank you. All over Santon here, people raising their hand at home. Maybe no one's around there. Maybe your family's. Just lift your hand and say, Lord, today, committing my life to you, recommitting my life to you, and, and I'm, and I'm going to pray with all of you now. So you can put your hands down. Let's all pray out loud. Can we do that? Even you at home, you in Kalomi, pray with me like this. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful wisdom in giving us your word. We thank you for it and recommit to it to live by its principles. Lord Jesus, come into our lives. Be the Lord of our lives. Even as you Lord of the Sabbath, we commit ourselves to you. Help us to get a balance, to follow you, and to serve your purposes. Make you Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 